If you ain't bouncing off the walls, they don't think the Spirit of God's present. But I'm going to tell you, the hand of God's present in this place tonight. It's present in this place tonight. And, and I know there's a, a working of the Spirit of God. Can y'all understand me okay? The mic sound all right or is it? Okay. Well, if they don't, we get it leveled out, I'll use a handheld. But I truly believe that this is going to be one of the greatest years for salvation and soul saving we've seen in many, many, many a year. There is such a working of the Spirit of God. I preached about, I guess it was back uh, the end of February. I've got a, a brother down out of Birmingham. I'm going down. Just let me get a handheld. There's one right here. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Lacey, will you come get this? Y'all give me just a second. Jesus, I'm uh, trying to help a young man get a church started down just above Birmingham, and and uh, I go down one week a month, and uh, brother at my church, brother Michael Harris, he goes down uh, once a month, and we're trying to help him get established because he's out there fighting all by himself. But I preached for him about a month ago, just maybe a little bit of base. And the presence of God come in that place so strong that when I come out of that service, if I could have, I would have walked away from everything and just went somewhere and preached the gospel every night. There was such a, a working of the Spirit of God got down in my spirit. And I was just so hungry to see God move and want to see lives touched and delivered and healed. And that thing stayed on me. I think I talked to you about it, Sister Daniels. That thing stayed on me about three or four days. I mean, I could not contain myself. And here about a week, maybe two weeks ago, the voice of the Lord spoke in my spirit. And he said, the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, let us live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. And I, I guess I ministered that night for a solid hour just on the grace of God. Never, I don't think I've ever preached on the grace of God like I preached on it that night. But, you know, we, we talk about grace as being unmerited favor. But there's also an interpretation of grace that talks about strength and it, you know, right there, Paul wrote it uh, to Titus. He said, the grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared unto all men. And he said, that grace is teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, grace will teach you something. Amen. Grace will work. There's a work of grace. We have moving into a day of salvation that the hand of God and the grace of God is beginning to reach out across the earth. And those that are His, you mark it down, those that are His, God is going to get them.
God is going to get them. There is something stirring in the Spirit of God. Yes, we've got our battles. Yes, we have our discouragements. Yes, we have forces we have to deal with. But that does not stop the grace of God. That does not stop salvation. Amen. We're moving into a day of salvation, a day of visitation, where those that belong to God, I'm telling you, His Spirit setting down on them is His anointing, His Word. There's people that have never had an experience with God fixing to have one. Because they belong to Him. They belong to Him. I remember last spring the Lord spoke to us and said, I'm making my body up all over the world. God ain't doing this thing in a corner. He ain't doing this thing in a corner. There's people all over the world that God is revealing Himself to and revealing truths to that belong in the body, that belong in this kingdom, that God's beginning to reveal Himself and draw them together. Hallelujah. This thing's fixing to break out worldwide. This ain't nothing going to be done in a corner. Are you hearing me? This ain't going to be one little move of God. It may start with a baptism here and a baptism there. But I'm telling you, this thing will strike fire. This thing will explode. Hallelujah. There is a visitation of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Greater than what fell at Pentecost. And it's coming in. And I'm telling you, a five-fold ministry that we've been praying for. I've been looking for the five-fold ministry for 42 years. And it's now going to step on the scene. Authority and dominion. Something that's going to set the church in order, the house of God in order, the house you live in in order. God is a God of order. And He is ordering, hallelujah, His people into His order and His divine presence. And my, and we're going to bring it together. You don't want to serve God, you better run now. Because I'm telling you, this word fixing gets straight, it's going to get holy, it's going to get pure, it's going to get clean. Those that don't want to line up to it, God will deal with you. You hear me? God will deal with you. I ain't say God's going to do nothing. I'm already seeing God dealing with rebellion. I'm already seeing God dealing with hard hearts. I'm already seeing God deal with people that they just want to serve God a little bit. Let me tell you something. You belong to God. God's going to draw you in. And if God don't draw you in, you're going to run from Him. You're going to run from Him. Because the days of playing around are over with. Over with. I'm talking souls are in the balance. Am I talking to strangers here tonight? There's souls in the balance. Are you hearing me? There's souls in the balance. There's people that's played in and out with God for years. They'd come to church and they'd pray and they'd fast and they'd study the Word and God'd start working something in them and then the devil would uh, stand up and oppose them. They'd get their feelings hurt and then they'd run out of church. Then they'd get out there and backbite and criticize and undermine. Let me tell you something. When the devil takes you 
and causes you to criticize, backbite, and undermine a vessel of God that's doing their best to win people to the Lord, that lead people in the paths of righteousness, and the devil takes you out, and you begin to criticize them and tear them down and run them down. The devil is playing you like a two-dollar fiddle. You are a tool in the hand of Satan because you're fighting against the very church that God's trying to establish. And you better learn to keep your mouth shut. Get your tongue sanctified. Because if you don't, God's going to hurt some folks. God is making up His jewels. God is bringing His kingdom together. And I'm telling you, this this thing that's going on among people, what does the Word say? There are six things that God hates. But the seventh is an abomination in the eyes of God. And that's He that soweth discord among the brethren. You ain't got no right to sow discord. So what's your feelings got hurt? Get in line. Everybody's been hurt. Everybody's been wounded. Everybody's been tore up. God's allowed it. I said God's allowed it. Hosea 6 says, Come, let us return unto the Lord. For He hath torn us, but He will heal us. Come. Are you hearing me? Come. Let us return unto the Lord. For He hath smitten us. But He will bind us up. After two days will He revive us. And on that third day He's going to raise us up and we're going to live in His sight. Then shall we know, Sister Kennedy, if we follow on to know the Lord. Not pull back in doubt and unbelief and discouragement. Letting your tongue get out of control. It ain't no wonder James talked about the tongue. What a little member, what a great fire such a little member can kindle. Let me tell you something. You ain't God's standard. What pleases you and displeases you may not please and displease God. Because God said, my faults ain't your thoughts. He said, my ways ain't your ways. He said, as high as the heavens are from the earth, he said, that's how much higher my thoughts are than your thoughts and my ways than your ways. Just because somebody displeases you, God don't need you running around trying to smear their name, down their reputation. Ooh, Lordy, where'd all this come from? God's bringing in a clean gospel. He's bringing in a clean gospel. Are you hearing me? He's bringing in a clean gospel, and He's bringing in a clean ministry. The Lord told us last April, He said, "He said I'm going to purge the sons of Levi. He said, I'm going to purge them. I'm going to purify them. Hallelujah. If you think the Word's tough now, you better buckle down and hang on, because it's really fixing to get tough. I said, it's going to get tough. You ain't seen no anointing. And no power and authority that what God's bringing out. The Lord's been dealing with me for months now that in the spring there's coming forth a, a power and an authority. The fivefold ministry is going to begin to step on the scene, and I'm ready for it. It may tear my hide up, it may cut me, but my God, something's got to happen. Something's got to happen. Amen. Something's got to happen. My God, the ministry's polluted. The church is polluted. 
our hearts and lives is polluted and we got wrong things in our spirit and God's trying to get our attention. Maybe I better call my wife back up and testify. Let her just ease this thing on. Hallelujah. You may not be happy with me after the way I preached tonight, but I can't I can't do nothing other than what God puts in my spirit. And I'm gonna tell you I'm hungry for righteousness. And I'm tired of tradition, I'm tired of the doctrines of men, I'm tired of all the stuff people try to do and call it a move of God. I'm ready to see God's get people get in prayer and stay in prayer to the Spirit moves. And that's what we're trying to do up at our up at the church. God has called me to pastor. I don't know that I've made a pastor yet, but I'm I'm trying with all of my heart. But I don't just want to be a pastor. I want to be a vessel submitted to God. And I want to see God's people come together, whether it's this church, Savannah Church, Pooler Church, churches. There needs to be leadership governing the whole body. There needs to be leadership governing the body. The churches weren't divided in the New Testament. They were all under the apostles and elders at Jerusalem. And if a question arose, they went up to the elders and the apostles at Jerusalem. And through fasting and prayer, they made a decision about what doctrine should be. Right now, we all we've got is pastors setting doctrine, and pastors are leading this church and that church and another church. It's like everybody's pulling against everybody. We need leadership, children. We need heaven sent, highly holy, apostolic, prophetic leadership to lead us into the fullness of God. We need the fivefold ministry to step on the scene. If it don't, we're not going anywhere because the fivefold ministry was sent, hallelujah, to lead God's people. It was sent for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So we all come in the unity of the faith, of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, to the measure of the statue of the fullness, hallelujah, of Christ. It's time, and Paul wrote that, so we would be no more children tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine and slight and cunning and craftiness of men. My God, we need to hit these altars. Hit our altars at home and pray until God brings us a visitation of the Holy Ghost and brings this fivefold ministry in and my heart is searching for it. My heart is seeking for it. If you've ever seen a man after God's own heart, you're looking at one tonight. Because I'm tired of seeing God's people beat down and discouraged, going through trials. It's all right, God tries you. But I'm going to tell you something. A lot of what God's people are going through, the Satan has just turned loose on them. They're just having to stand and withstand and do everything they can to come out and survive. And I'm going to tell you, it's discouraging. It's discouraging. A lot of people get discouraged when they have to fight battles. And I'm ready to see God's people get some victory. Let me tell you something. You can go through a battle and have victory. You can go through a battle and know God's going to move for you. Amen. 
You can go through a battle and know that you're coming out on the other side. You don't have to get down and discouraged and bitter and angry. But my God, you can walk that thing out. You can, you can rest yourself out in the rest of God and the peace of God and walk out in the comfort and the joy of the Holy Ghost out and have strength and peace and joy. I don't care if everything's crumbling around you. I want the Spirit of Christ. I want the Spirit of Christ. I want to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. To fulfill the lust thereof. I don't know about y'all, but I'm fed up with me. Anybody tired of yourself? Y'all to be. Get up in the morning, go look in the mirror. Go home tonight, go look in your mirror. And you'll find out your biggest enemy. It's your biggest enemy. It's you. Amen. It's you. You are. You're your biggest enemy. It ain't the devil. Most of it's your flesh. Most of it's our flesh. It is. It's our flesh. And I'm going to tell you here lately, I don't know if y'all ever done it, but I've been rebuking my carnal mind. I have. I've been rebuking my carnal mind. My mind starts drifting on something worldly and ungodly, and I just say, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. I will, I do, I, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. And then I'll ask the Lord, I said, let that mind that was in Christ Jesus be also in me. I don't want to be carnally minded. I don't want to be carnally minded. Everywhere you go, they got these old songs playing, these old worldly songs. And next thing you know, if you don't watch yourself, you're tapping your feet and snapping your fingers and singing them old carnal songs that you grew up with or that you... And, man, it ain't nothing for uh, those of us that grew up with certain songs. You'll hear them next thing you know, man, them fingers are popping and you just a, and you just a humming and a singing and, and, and that thing will get in your head and stay in your head for days on end. There ain't nothing in the world but carnality. You ain't nothing but to draw your mind away from God. Let me tell you something. This world out here, it's set to defeat you. It's against God. It's against the things of God. We are fighting principalities and powers of the air, spiritual wickedness in high places and powers and rulers of darkness. And we got to learn to put it down. we got to learn to put it down. Are you hearing me? So next time something pops in your mind that ain't of God, you rebuke it. You rebuke your carnal mind. You rebuke that. Are you hearing me? You rebuke that. And you start praying, Lord, let this mind that was in Christ Jesus, let it be also in me. Let it be also in me. Are you hearing me? Is it part to be carnally minded? It's death, but to be spiritually minded. It's life and peace. It's life and peace. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after God do mind the things of God. Are you hearing me tonight. It's time to mind the things of God. Yes, it is. The Lord said in His Word, He said, I wish you were hot or cold. We won't live in this old lukewarm state. A little bit of prayer, a little bit of Bible reading, a little bit of television. We, that 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 got on somebody's toes, didn't it? Uh, 
I'm going to tell you, I'm getting to where I, I don't even like to watch the news anymore. I used to get up in the morning, get my cup of coffee, and, and, and go sit in the chair and watch the news. And Now I might turn it on 15, 20 minutes, maybe 30, and after that, it's off. It's off. Because it just stirs your spirit up. It does. It stirs your spirit. Let me tell you, God's going to do what He's going to do. Amen. God's going to do what He's going to do. Hallelujah. I know there's things you can pray about, but the way this world's going and the course this world's taking, God's got it in His hand. Amen. God's got it in His hand. And, and I, I don't want a revival. You say, you know, I don't want a revival. Because all a revival does is revive what you got. I want a visitation. I want, I want something that's going to take me deeper. Hallelujah. Was at the church Sunday two weeks ago, and and I looked in the back of the church, right up in the left hand corner, and there was a door back there open, and I heard the voice of the Lord saying, "I've set before you an open door. Come up higher." Hallelujah. I'm not going to stay where I'm at. You hear me? I may be earthbound right now, but I ain't going to stay earthbound. <laughs> Hallelujah. I want to go somewhere in the spirit. I want to go somewhere in a. You know, you know, God's kept. God's told us for three, four, five years now that He was going to do a new thing that we've never passed this way before. And every time God starts taking us somewhere that's unfamiliar, everybody wants to back up and get back on the old familiar path. Does He not? Do we not? Oh, man, yeah, God said He's going to do a new thing. And you let me come out with something tonight you ain't never heard, and about 90% of you will sit down on me. Well, Brother Metter, I know God's going to do a new thing, and I know we've never passed this way before. Well, how do you know? You keep jumping track. Keep wanting to get back in your comfort zone. I'm ready for the resurrected power of Christ. Take it some old right here. I want to know Him in the fellowship of His sufferings and the power of His resurrection. If it takes the sufferings of Christ, I've said it before, and I've, God tried me, and I'll say it again. If it takes the sufferings of Christ to reveal the power of His resurrection, then let it be. Because if we suffer with Him, I know we're going to reign with Him. Amen. I want the gospel. I want the resurrected power of Christ. I want dominion over demons, over sickness, over disease. I want that last enemy to be destroyed as death. I want it conquered. I want to walk as he walked, live as he lived. Hallelujah. I want to become as he is, not as he was. Hallelujah. Are you hearing me? I want to know him. Hallelujah. In the sufferings. I want to know him in his sufferings. In the power of his resurrection. If by any means I may be made conformable unto his death. That word right there means to put on what he put on in his death, burial, and resurrection. I'm talking about down here. I ain't talking about up there. I ain't going to need it up there. I'm ready to do some devil stomping down here. This generation's bound. The church is bound. God's people are bound. It's time to get set free. Hallelujah. I don't know if I can get in these scriptures tonight or not. Man, I feel something just boiling up in my spirit, just rolling over in my soul. Hallelujah. 
I'm so excited about what God's doing. Brother Matt, are you going through things? Sure, all of us are dealing with things. My God, it's like every time I turn around, uh, I mean, everywhere you turn, it's like spirits are taking people over. I, I mean, the, just last night, I guess it was, it come into my heart that the Lord said in the last days perilous times shall come when people would give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. And it's like everywhere you turn, people are people are giving in to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. And see, a lot of us think we recognize the devil. A lot of us think we recognize when the enemy comes. Let me tell you something, the devil don't come where you can recognize him. He don't come where you can recognize him. He don't come where you can recognize him, church. I don't think I'm going to preach this word tonight. I think I'm going to go into that word on ambush. It's kind of waiting for the... I'll just have to... Y'all just have to work with me. I'll just have to try to memorize my scriptures where I preached on this. But I know I want to go to Jeremiah 29. No, I, I think I got them. If I, if I don't, I'll ask you because I know you got the scriptures wrote down. I'm not going to go straight like I've, I've done it the last two times. I'm going to tell you, I preached this down in Fitzgerald Sunday, and it had an impact on people's lives. Hallelujah. Jeremiah 29, if you're there with me. It's what I was waiting on the leadership of the Spirit of God. I wish I had about two weeks I could just come down here and just share with you. Of course, I know a lot of what God's given me. God's given Sister Daniels and other ministers in this area, but preaching it from a different perspective helps people. Amen. It does. It helps people. And what so troubles me is you try to counsel people on what the enemy's doing to them, and they look at you like you've lost your mind. Like they've got it together, and you're the you're the dummy in the room. I'm serious. From Jeremiah 29, and let's go to verse 8. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Let not your prophets and your diviners that be in the midst of you deceive you, neither hearken to your dreams which ye cause to be dreamed. I bet it, 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 once a week somebody will call me or come up to me at church, Brother Matter, I had a dream, and I need you to tell me what it means, and they'll start talking about it. And I just stand there and look at them. I don't have the slightest idea what it means because it wasn't of God. Sound like a little bit of taco salad. and Y'all see what the Word says here? Y'all see what I'm saying? And I saw somebody the other day. uh, They posted, well, I got a prophecy, and I ain't sure whether it's God or not. And I'm just going to wait and see if it comes to pass. And if it don't, it'll just be another one of those prophecies I can mark off that wasn't God and that it didn't go. And went on like that for two days. I thought, my God, where is your discernment? Where is your discernment? What kind of ministers are you listening to? 
My God, if I'm going to listen to somebody, if somebody's going to come lay hands on me and prophesy the word of the Lord to me, their ministry better be proven. Their life better be above board and without reproach. And I know that they're walking upright before God and they're a dedicated vessel of God. I don't want somebody coming to me with a hit or miss prophecy, living a hit or miss life. I, I want holy vessels of God. But you see what God said right here? I, he said, don't you hearken to these prophets and your diviners I, that be in the midst of you, deceive you. Don't let them deceive you. Neither hearken to your dreams which you cause to be dreamed for they prophesy falsely unto you in my name. I have not sent them, saith the Lord. See, this is what happens when you start running to and fro seeking a word from God. It's what happens when people start running looking for, they'll look for a prophecy. I've seen people, I've had people come to me and say, Brother Metter, I'm confused. I said, what are you confused about? I said, well, I've had three different people prophesy to me, and they've told me three different things. I said, well, don't look for me to prophesy to you. I said, because I ain't. You've got to have discernment, church. See, this is the junk God's going to pull out of the true ministry. Oh, there'll, there'll still be people out there, but... The Bible said, know who labors among you. Know their life. Know their dedication. Be sure you've got somebody that's got a proven ministry. That they've sought God and you've seen their word come to pass. Just go out here and let everything that totes a Bible prophesy to you. Your life will be in such confusion and condemnation and turmoil and sadness. You won't know what's in to use up. Okay, I'm getting to where God really has to speak to me anymore for the gifts, for Him to activate the gifts. It's not that I'm, it's just like that's what people are seeking for. They're seeking for a, 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 an easy word and they want somebody to prophesy my other troubles and my other mess. And, no, you're going to come through the same door I come through. You're going to come through the same door I come through. You're going to get out and you're going to seek God. You're going to moan. You're going to groan. You're going to travail. You're going to lay in that altar and you're going to ride that altar till God speaks to you and God brings you out. That's what's wrong with us now. We've got spoiled rotten to the gifts of God that work in the church. And that's one thing after you've gone through something, God has settled you and God has tried you and God has let you suffer. Somebody minister to you and bring a settling down in your spirit and the Spirit of God leads you out. That's something altogether different. But we want God to bring us out of the midst of our trials. Yeah. It's like Brother Cromer said the other day. He said, if you can't give me an amen, give me an ouch. For they prophesy falsely unto you in my name. I have not sent them, saith the Lord. For thus saith the Lord that after seventy years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you in causing you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts, and that word thoughts there means plans in the original Greek. For I know the plans that I have towards you, saith the Lord, plans of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. Then shall ye call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you, and ye shall seek me and find me 
when ye shall search for me with all your hearts. And I will be found of you, saith the Lord, and I will turn away your captivity, and I will gather you from all nations and from all the places whither I have driven you, saith the Lord, and I will bring you again in the place whence I caused you to be carried away captive. I want to go to the third chapter of Genesis. Y'all just bear with me. Like I said, I'm pretty sure I know where I'm going, but this is why I don't just, unless I'm dead set, just don't come out and just get straight into the Word because there's a lot of times I just got to wait on the leadership of the Holy Ghost. And if you've grown past that, I'm happy for you. For me, I, I, there's just sometimes I got to wait on the leadership of the Spirit. Y'all with me in the third chapter of Genesis? Let's go to verse 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto this serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. See, right there, the enemy began to seduce. He began to seduce. When you are seduced, and seducing spirits are not sexual spirits. They are spirits to cause you to disobey God, believing that you're doing nothing wrong. That's what they are. They are spirits that will cause you, just like the enemy right here started talking to Eve. He said, hath not God said you can eat of all the trees of the garden? The devil knew what God had said. He knew what God had said. But she said, no, we can't eat of all the trees. That tree in the midst of the garden of the knowledge of good and evil, God told us to leave it alone. God told us in the day we eat of that we will surely die. And the devil turned around and told her, you're not going to die. God's going to keep us all this to himself because he knows in the day you eat of it, you're going to become wise like a God and know the difference between the knowledge of good and evil. You ain't going to die, but they did. The very time they partook of it, whatever it was, whether it's just disobedience, I don't believe they bit a natural fruit. I don't know what it was. God ain't revealed that to me. But one thing it was, it was disobedience. It was disobedience. And when it did, they died naturally and they died spiritually. Because God did, make, did not make man to die. He did not make him man to die. God was created, uh, God, when God created man, man's years was not numbered. The years that man is numbered with now started after he sinned. We have no knowledge how long God, uh, Adam and Eve lived. 
before they sinned. But once they sinned, they died spiritually and they died physically. Amen? Hallelujah. And I'm not here to get into that. I'm just bringing my point out. Now go with me. I believe it's 2 Corinthians 11. And I may not be before you really long tonight. But this is where I feel led to go. And I believe God's going to help us tonight. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. 2 Corinthians 11. Are you there with me? We go into the first verse. Would to God you were bear with me a little in my folly. And indeed bear with me. For I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin. That means clean, pure, into Christ. But I fear lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled or deceived or his cunning, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he that cometh preaches another Jesus whom we have not preached, or if you receive another spirit which ye have not received, or another gospel which ye have not accepted, ye might well bear with him. Now, that first scripture I read in Jeremiah talked about seeking God. How many times has the Lord spoke to us about seeking Him? And people will not stand still and seek the mind and the will of God for their lives. We want to incorporate God in our lives and get God to work for what we want, but we don't want to really stand still and seek God. Isaiah 55 says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. You know, there's times you can't find God. I'm sorry, over the 42 years I've served God, and many times I would get in prayer and fasting and seek God and want God to work something or do something and answer me. And says, Debbie, like God was way off at you under somewhere. I couldn't find him. But God has drawn nigh to the earth. He said, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. God has drawn near to us. And if you will set your heart to seek him, you will find him. But in seeking God, you've got to pay attention to what's going on around you. In seeking God, in walking with God, in doing everything you can, Jeremiah said, In the day that you seek the Lord with all of your heart, ye shall surely find Him. I've sought the Lord many times, and I know uh, now. I didn't know then, but I know now that these are times that there's times I didn't seek God with all my heart. But I believe right now I am searching for God with all of my heart because I want to find Him. I want to find the God of this Bible. I want to find 
the revelation of His Word. I want to find that entrance into that kingdom of God. I understand the knowledge God's revealed to me about the kingdom. I don't want to just understand it. I want to possess it. I've got to possess it. Ain't nothing left for me. Because ain't nothing in this world I care about. Amen. I mean, I love my wife and I love my kids and I love that my wife's getting to travel with me and minister with me now and help me. But I'm going to tell you something. I want God more than I want anything. And, and, and man, it's like a hunger's taking hold of my heart. And I know that God's fixing to take us back into fasting and prayer in a godly order and in a godly way. He's taking all the pride. He's taking all the boasting and the ego and the exaltation out of fasting and seeking God. And it's going to be in a humility. It's going to be in a humbleness. It's going to be in a heartbreak and a breaking of the spirit type and the humbling of the soul that we with a contrite heart and spirit are going to seek God. Hallelujah. With all of our heart. And He's going to come to us. Hallelujah. Just like it talked about over there in Hosea. I was quoting for them that shall follow on the know the Lord. Shall the Lord come to Him as the morning. Hallelujah. As the rain and the latter and the the former rain unto the earth. God has taken us somewhere, children. If we'll get ourselves out of the way and set our hearts to seek Him, but at the same time we're seeking Him, you got to be careful. Because I'm going to tell you, if you're seeking God with all your heart and you're after God, the devil's working out there somewhere to take you out. He's lurking right there to take you out. I was on my knees... When the Lord spoke this to me, I just told my wife that morning we was getting ready to go to church. I said, I don't have no idea where the Spirit of God's going to take me today. I ain't got one thought, one word, one comma. I ain't got a dot over an I or a cross over a T. Sister Kennedy, I didn't have nothing to even build on. I know you've been there. And my son was driving me and was going up the mountain to the church, and I said, My God, I don't have no idea where God's going to take me. But when I got on my knees in prayer and got in prayer, the Lord spoke that word ambush. And then He spoke about the subtlety. That word is spelled S-U-B. The B is silent. It ain't subtle, it's subtle. But the Lord showed me the word subtle in the first three letters, S-U-B. He said that means underneath. Anything that is sub is underneath. You listening to me? It's underneath. The Lord said the spirit of Satan is working underneath with an undercurrent, with a deception, with a delusion, and he's working with a seduction to get God's people to focus on everything else but the kingdom. To get your mind totally off seeking God. To get you so upset and so vexed and so focused on something else. It don't have to be some evil. All the devil wants to do is occupy your time. To occupy your mind and to persuade you that what you're doing 
There ain't nothing wrong with it. Any of you ever prayed, get up, pray, read your Bible of a morning, study, have a, a, a good time with the Lord, and then you're going about your day and you feel the Spirit of God move on you to go back to prayer or go back to study? And if your flesh is like mine, it may be different, but I've actually stopped and, God, I've already prayed today. I've already read my Bible and studied and prayed today. Like, I was indignant that God was actually asking me to pray again. That's how wicked our flesh is. That's how strong our flesh is. But see, when something comes underneath, When you build a house, you put out what they call a subfloor. That's your framework. You put out your subfloor. You put something down before you put your carpet or your hardwood down. You can't see what's underneath that carpet or that hardwood once it gets down. But you've got a subfloor down there. It's underneath. It's underneath. And the enemy is coming up underneath with an undercurrent. And God's people don't see it coming. There's a lot of God's people don't see it coming. And what's it going to do? Get just enough of your attention that you're going to lose focus of the kingdom of God. That's why I'm telling some of you, the very call and the anointing and office of God that God placed you on this earth for, some of you fixing to miss it. You're fixing to miss it. Because I'm going to tell you, this visitation comes in. God's making up His body. He's making up a five-fold ministry. There's a power and authority and dominion of the kingdom that, that is going to be revealed that we've never walked in. Are you hearing me? There's things we've never walked in. There's powers we've never walked in. There's knowledge of the Word that is being revealed. And it's just, there's just something in me. I want to see God's kingdom set in order. I want the pollution. I want the filth. I want the ungodliness. I want these out here that are preaching for filthy lucre. I want these preachers in the pulpit that their lives are messed up like scrambled eggs. I'm sorry, but I want them out because they're preaching polluted word. They're living polluted lives. They're they're abiding by doctrines of men and not doctrines of God. And I'm ready to see a holy, clean, righteous ministry step forth on the scene and preach a clean, holy, pure, unadulterated word to God's people, because I'm going to tell you something. Your life is messed up, and you're preaching. There's a mess in the words you're preaching. Are you hearing me? And people don't want their lives straightened out. I want my hands clean and my heart pure. God said in Psalms, I can't remember, what was it, 24, might have been 19, who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord, and who shall stand? 
stand in that holy place. Are you hearing me? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart. It's time for a clean ministry. It's time for God to purge the sons of Levi. He said, I'll purify and purge the sons of Levi because they're coming a day. There's coming a day that I'm going to send my messenger. I believe the messenger's out there crying out again, prepare ye the way of the Lord and make his path straight. This is the messenger of the covenant whom ye delight in. That wasn't John the Baptist. My God, there's something going forth now. Prepare. Get ready for a visitation. Get ready. My God, something fixing to shake the church down to its core. Sin's coming out of the camp. Pollution's coming out of the altar. Filth is coming out of the pulpit. We're in that place now that the wicked cannot sit in the congregation of the righteous. He said, of the Lord whom you seek shall suddenly, suddenly come to His temple. But who's going to abide the day of His coming? Well, He said, I'm going to sit as a refiner's fire and a fuller's soap. And I'm going to purge and I'm going to purify the sons of Levi. That's the ministry. The sons of Levi's the ministry. That was the ministry of that day. He said, I'm going to purge them. I'm going to purify them. Are you hearing me? I remember I had a, a, a visitation of the Lord right here in one of the minister's meetings. I seen a big chunk of silver. And, and, and it, uh, it, it got to the melting point. And when it got to that melting point, I seen black flakes come to the surface. And a hand come down and swept them off. And then it got hard again. And then it was put back in that fire. It was prettier than it was before. And it heated it to a melting point again. These black flakes come to the surface. Hand come down and scooped them off. That happened four or five times. And every time it did, that silver got prettier and shinier. Hallelujah. Than it did the time before. He said, I'm going to sit as a purifier and a refiner of silver. And I am going to purify. I'm going to purge the sons of Levi. Let me tell you something. The church can't come forth till God brings a clean ministry. It's got to be led by a clean ministry, a holy ministry. It's got to be led by people submitted unto God and their lives ain't in a mess. Are you hearing me? You want to know what I'm talking about? Go to 1 Timothy 3 and read it. Go to Titus 1 and read it. God said, I'm going to have some holy men and women of God. Are you hearing me tonight? And when I preached this in 1996, I read them scriptures in Titus. Brother Scott, I told God. I said, there ain't nobody like that. God said, I'll raise them up. I'll make me some. That was almost 20 years ago, and I'm telling you, they're coming forth. I said, they're coming forth. God is raising up some young men and women. Hallelujah. Some vessels that want to live holy and clean and pure and undefiled. Hallelujah. You say, well, Brother Metter, everybody's lives is messed up. It's one thing when it's messed up that side of the cross. It's another when you mess it up this side of the cross. You ain't supposed to mess your life up this side of the cross with sin and adultery and fornication and perversion and evil. When you do something in ignorance, that's one thing. But when you come this side of the cross and you begin to walk hallelujah under the blood of the Lamb and the leadership of the Holy Ghost, you're supposed to keep yourself unspotted from this world. 
Yes, you are. As long as you got polluted vessels preaching, you're going to have a polluted congregation. Hallelujah. I don't know how I got way off over there on that. That's all right. God knows. Amen. God knows. We got to be careful in our seeking God. The enemy ain't going to back off and leave you alone. He ain't going to back off and leave you alone. He's going to come at you with things. It's going to keep you from praying. Keep you from studying that word. Keep you from coming to the house of God. Keep you from getting in prayer. Right now the Lord is working in our church with three levels of prayer. I have taught for years on individual prayer and relationship with God. And it's part of my life. And last spring I started teaching on the family prayer. On the family altar. And everybody that's doing it, there's something happening. I mean, Brother Cromer and Sister Sheila was telling us the other day that ever since we ministered on that family altar, and we were down in Fitzgerald in May a year ago, I guess it was, that they went home that Sunday night, got in about midnight, and got down and started praying with one another. And they get up every morning and go to prayer with one another and said it's changed their lives, changed their ministry, changed their love for one another, changed their respect for one another. Is anybody here practicing the family altar? If you're not, do it. Because it will change your love, your respect one for another. It will change your relationship with God. It will change your relationship with your husband and wife. And it will cause you to want to get your house in a godly order and make God the center of your home and the leadership of your home. And when that happens, there will be a spirit of praise and worship come in your home. And you will serve God in your home. I can't seem to get people to understand. We worship God here, we serve Him in our homes. If you ain't serving God in our home, in your home, when you come to the house of God, you're bringing the wrong spirit. If the spirit of God ain't prevalent and ain't the center of your home, and and, and studying, praying, and seeking Him, what did He say in in uh, what was it Deuteronomy six? He said, "Talk about me when you walk on your grounds, when you sit in your in your houses. Talk about me. Teach your kids my word." Diligently, and you're rising up, and you're sitting down. Talk about me. I write my word up on the tables, I, or up on the doorpost of your house. I, and we're not doing it, children. I, we need to get God back in the home. I, back in the home. Are you hearing me? I, to where when somebody walks in your home, I, there's an atmosphere of God there. That's what I'm fighting for. And I'm going to tell you something, whether we do it or not, somebody is. Somebody is. Well, this is God's order right now. It's God's order right now. And then the body coming together. I don't, you, you cannot get people to understand that there needs to be corporate prayer in the house of God from the body. Every one of you needs to get here at least 30 minutes early. If there's any way. I know jobs hinder. I know things hinder. But make an effort to get in the house of God and pray with one another as a body. 
because it will move division, it will move schism, it will move upsetness, it will heal wounds, it will tear down walls. That don't mean the devil ain't going to try to set some more up, but it will tear them down. If we can get those three things working, you have a chance. You hear me? You have a chance. But you try to fight Satan on your own, he's going to come underneath. You ain't ever going to see him coming. You know how a shark can get to people? Comes underneath. Comes underneath. That's how a shark attacks people. It comes underneath the water. They don't ever see it coming. And the thing is, if the enemy sets his sights on you and comes after you, unless you're in prayer and seeking God and you're you're, you're watching and praying, you ain't never gonna see it coming. You ain't never gonna see it coming. You know why? S U B, sub underneath. Subtle. With subtlety, with cunning, with craftiness. That word subtlety means cunning and crafty. The Bible said for, for the serpent was subtle. He was the most cunning beast that God created. Subtle. He had cunning. He had craftiness. He, he, he outsmarted Eve. And he, made, he brought her to the place and convinced her that what she was going to do, she would be absolutely fine. And I have people that I'm talking to and praying for, and I'll go talk to them and tell them what my concerns are by the Spirit of God, and they'll look me just dead right in the eye and say, Brother Mary, don't worry about it. We're okay. What my spirit man's telling me, man, my radar, my senses, my severe weather alert, all my sirens, bells, whistles, everything's going off, and I'm trying to talk to you, and you looking at me and telling me you're okay? See, that's that subtlety. You got rocked to sleep. You got rocked spiritually to sleep. Miss church week after week after week. Don't see no harm in it. Don't pray at home. Don't pray as an individual. Don't pray with the body. Don't see no harm in it. Brother Matter, I'm a good person. I love God. Being a good person, loving God, doesn't have anything to do with it. It's you submitting yourself to serve God and to the mind and will of God that is among the body right now. And that includes prayer and a lot of it. Amen. That includes prayer and a lot of it. I'm going to jump over to my last scripture. Was it Second Chronicles 16 or 13? Second Chronicles 13, and this is what God gave me on these scriptures. I'd love to preach something else to you. But it don't do me no good to be sent by the Spirit of God and then preach something contrary to what He wants me to preach to you. So, I'm going to try to do what He said. Now, this is a, I'm going to cover most of the chapter, so I'm going to start reading at verse 3, Second Chronicles 13. And Abijah 
set the battle in array with an army of valiant men of war, even 400,000 chosen men. Jeroboam also set the battle in array against him with 800,000 chosen men, being mighty men of valor. And Abjah stood upon Mount Zemarium, which is Mount Ephraim, and said, Hear me, thy Jeroboam, and all Israel. Ought ye to know that the Lord God of Israel gave the kingdom over Israel to David forever, even to him and to his sons by covenant of salt? Yet Jeroboam, the son of Naboth, the servant of Solomon, the son of David, is risen up and hath rebelled against his Lord. And there are gathered unto him vain men, the children of Belial, and have strengthened themselves against Rehoboam, the son of Solomon. When Rehoboam was young and tender-hearted and could not withstand them. You know, there's some people that are young and tender-hearted in the spirit. You can't withstand an onslaught of the devil. You can't. That's why God gives you churches. God gives you leaders. God puts you under leadership to help you walk through situations like this. And now ye think to withstand the kingdom of the Lord in the hand of the sons of David, and ye be a great multitude, and they are with you golden calves which Jeroboam made you for gods. Have ye not cast out the priest of the Lord, the sons of Aaron, the Levites, and made you priest after the manner of the nations of other lands? So that whosoever cometh to consecrate himself with a young bullock and seven rams, the same may be a priest of them that are no gods. But as for us, the Lord is our God. And we have not forsaken him, and the priest which minister unto the Lord are the sons of Aaron, the Levites, wait upon their business. They burn unto the Lord every morning and every evening, burnt sacrifices and sweet incense to show bread. Also, they set in order upon the pure table the candlestick of gold with lamps thereof to burn every evening. For we keep the charge of the Lord of our God, but you have forsaken him. And behold, God himself is with us for our captains and his priests with sounding trumpets to cry alarm against you. O children of Israel, fight ye not against the Lord God of your fathers, for ye shall not prosper. So here, Abijah, the righteous king, set the battle in array with 400,000. Here comes Jeroboam. Set the battle in array against him with twice as many, 800,000. And Abijah just stood up on the mountaintop and started rebuking him. Telling all the people what they had done, how they had done away with the priesthood. They turned back to idols. And he told them, he said, don't you come against us. He said, because we have the priesthood with us. We have the Levites. We have the ministry of Aaron. We have the sons of Aaron, the Levites. We're still walking with God. We're still standing on God's holy word. I don't care how many men you got. Don't you come against us because you ain't going to prosper. Y'all following with me? 
Sometimes, man, it looks like you out there with 400,000 and the devil's got 800,000. Does it not? Does it not? Here's what I want to get to. But Jeroboam caused an ambushment to come about behind them so they were before Judah and the ambush was behind them. When Judah looked back, behold, the battle was before and behind, and they cried unto the Lord, and the priest sounded the trumpets. We're in battle. How many of y'all know that? We're in warfare. Are we not? But see, so many times when you're in a battle, you're looking at what's ahead of you. You're looking at what's ahead of you. You can't fight your enemy unless you know your enemy. You can't fight an enemy you don't know what they are and how they work. But once your enemy is revealed, God reveals him, you, you, you put a whipping on him. But see, here God's people went out to fight Jeroboam. They were looking straight ahead. They were ready to go to battle. And then the next thing they knew, they were surrounded. The battle wasn't just before them. The battle was behind them. Also. Wasn't just before them. And see, this is what the Lord told me was happening to a lot of God's people. The battle ain't just before you. It's behind you too. You say, my God, Brother Matter, I don't know if I can... I know. Sometimes we feel like we're wore out. But that's what Daniel said said he would wear out the saints. He didn't say he'd wear out your patience. He said he'd wear you out. That word wear out there means mentally fatigue. Wear out your mind. And I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of people right now, they can't take any more pressure. Back in November, my sister lives up in Virginia, lost her husband. And it wasn't just a few days till something hit her. And took her plum off her feet. And my nephew called me for prayer. And I prayed for her and God moved for her. And just as we was getting ready to come to church, I ain't even told my wife. I got a text from my sister. They had to rush my nephew to the hospital. He's on dialysis. He said his blood pressure was shooting up over 180. And she said, please go to prayer for him. See, she's at the place she can't take no more. But she don't have this word. She don't have these truths. I wish she did. But she's not been exposed to them. But do y'all understand what I'm saying? The enemy ain't just there. He's there, he's there, and he's there. He ain't just right there. He's back here too. He's all around you. You're walking into a trout, children. If you think you can fight the forces and the seducing powers of Satan and what we're dealing with right now without prayer and seeking God and without the body, you are deceiving yourself. You're deceiving yourself. Because you ain't going to fight this without the body. You ain't going to do it. You ain't going to make it. I'm telling you, you ain't going to make it. Why? You walked into a trap. You know when you're in a trap. You know when you're in a trap? 
after it's sprung and you're caught, that's when you know you're in a trap. I told my wife the other day, I said, I don't know what good it does to try to counsel people, pray for them, talk to them. I said, really, I'm serious. I don't know what good it does because people are going to do it their way. They're going to do it their way. They're going to do it their way. I got a young man in my church now was on fire for God. I mean, loved God, come out of a drug culture, got in the church, got his life straightened out, served God probably seven, eight years. Turned around, got married. Two, three, four years ago, I don't even remember when. Got a baby now, about eight, nine months old. And his wife told him, I don't want to be married to you no more. I don't want to go to church with you no more. And just took off drinking and partying. Left him and that baby. And now, I can't get him in church. But see, it was something he was already doing. Little by little, the devil weakened his defenses. Little by little, the devil took him out of services, and I tried to counsel him. I went to him time after time, encouraged him to get in the house of God. He wouldn't come to the men's fellowship, wouldn't come pray with us. They bought up a house, went to their housewarming, and she, she had a niece or cousin or something that's a lesbian. And I told him, I said, you better keep that spirit out of your home. He wouldn't listen to me. Because, see, these things bring warfare. These things bring warfare, children. They bring warfare. And all the devil done was set up an ambush for him. And now I'm having to stay on my knees petitioning God, hoping and believing and fighting that the devil ain't going to flip him. Are you hearing me? It ain't just there. I've got three or four things I'm having to battle in the church. Like spirits have just come against people's minds and they've gone crazy. No common sense. No regard for God. No regard for the Word of God. I mean, people love God. They've been touched by the Holy Ghost. God's moved in their life. And it's just like all of a sudden, man, a, a switch has flipped and they've just gone crazy. What is it? Ambush. Ambush. Anything the devil can use to take you out, especially if you're called of God for this last day move. See, the the word your pastor spoke to y'all, I don't remember if I played it at the church, but I did preach on it, on demons on assignment. Take it serious. Take it serious, because it's serious. Ain't no spirit going to get me, Brother Matter. Let he that thinketh he stand, take heed lest he fall. You ain't going to fight this by yourself. You ain't going to fight this by yourself. Devil's laid an ambush. You hear me? Abijah, he was a righteous man. Loved God. He went out to meet Jeroboam. Jeroboam was evil and wicked as they come. But he went out to meet him and Abijah only had 400,000. Jeroboam had 800,000. 
mean, that's enough to make you want to cut and run right there. No, you got number two to one. But he didn't. He stood on God's word. He stood on God's word. Let me show you what happened when he stayed on the foundation and stood on God's word and done what God had told him to do. And, and kept the priesthood clean. Anybody wanted to be a priest for Jeroboam, all they had to do was bring in seven bullocks and a ram. That was it. They'd be a priest. They can pray to them idol gods. And when Judah, I'm in verse 14. When Judah looked back, behold, the battle was before and behind, and they cried unto the Lord, and the priests sounded with their trumpets. And the men of Judah gave a shout, and as the men of Judah shouted, it came to pass that God smote Jeroboam and all Israel before Abijah and Judah. And the children of Israel fled before Judah, and God delivered them into their hands. And Abijah and his people slew them with a great slaughter, so that there fell down slain of Israel 500,000 chosen men. Thus the children of Israel were brought under at that time, and the children of Judah prevailed because they relied upon the Lord God of them, of their fathers. And Abijah pursued after Jeroboam and took cities from him. Bethel with the towns thereof, Jashanah with the towns thereof, and Ephron with the towns thereof. Neither did Jeroboam recover strength again in the days of Abijah, and the Lord struck him, and he died. See, God fought for his people. I'm not telling you God won't fight for you, but I'm telling you, you've got to stand on what God's put in this Word, and you've got to stand on the words being ministered to you today. If God says pray, it's going to take prayer. God says, get your life clean. You better be hunting corners in your spirit to get things out of your spirit. Amen. You better be hunting. Because I'm telling you, children, God ain't playing. We may be seeking God. We are in a visitation. There's no doubt in my mind we're in a visitation. There's no doubt in my mind that I've set my heart to seek God. But that does not stop the enemy from setting an ambush. Matter of fact, that's the time the enemy will set an ambush. When he sees you fighting to grow in God and trying to come forward into what God has for your life, that's the time the enemy will set an ambush. Don't get comfortable, children. Don't get comfortable. Don't get in the routine every evening that you find yourself coming in, eating supper, sitting down in front of the TV, relaxing. Because I'm going to tell you the next thing you know, you're too tired to pray. You done relaxed, you're too tired to pray. It's up to you men to lead your homes in prayer. It's up to you men to lead your home in prayer. You know, to the wives, it's up to you men to set prayer in your home and be sure that prayer is followed through. Set a spiritual standard, be sure it's followed through. Amen. You may be seeking God. Are you looking back here? Are you looking back behind you? Or are you just looking out there? 
We need to be seeking God. Because there is a time of visitation upon us. But at the same time you're seeking God and you know God's visiting us, don't let the enemy sneak up on you. Don't let him set you in a trap. Don't let him get you in a trap. Because it don't take very long that you don't pray, you won't want to pray. Most people, week, two weeks, they don't pray. It'll get them out of a spirit of prayer. You don't read your Bible every day. You know, I, I get up of a morning and pray. And then I used to go to my computer there in the office and I'd study. And I'd study things out. And sometimes I'd just sit there and read my Bible on the computer. And the Lord talk, spoke to me about, I don't know, three or four months ago. Maybe longer than that. And I went and brought me three brand new Bibles. Keep one in my car, one at Mom's, and one at the house. When I get through praying every morning, I go sit down in that chair, turn that light on, and I open that Bible up. And when I read that Bible, it's different. It's different. And I'm going to tell you, I've learned more about the Word and can remember where things are in the Word in the last six months than I have in many a year. God's restoring my hunger to read the Word. He's restored my spirit of prayer. It ain't where I want it to be, but it's getting there. You hear me? Do I have to fight with my flesh? Oh, yeah. I mean, God start waking me up 4, 4.30, sometimes 3.30, 4, 4 o'clock, and I lay in the bed and I get awake, and I know it's time to get up and pray. I may get up, go to the restroom, get me a drink of water, come lay back down, go back to sleep. But when I start stirring, and I can't just drop back to sleep, it's time to get up and pray. Does that flesh want to? Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. I'll lay there and roll back and forth in the bed and pray and talk to God and praise Him. And, and I think we're going to have to buy a new mattress because I think I done wallowed a hole right down in Because flesh is wicked. The Bible says the heart is desperately wicked and exceedingly deceitful. But I'm going to tell you when I discipline myself to get out of that bed and go to prayer. And then go sit down after I pray. Go sit down in the living room. Turn that light on. Open that Bible up and read that Bible. And I'll read now till my eyes get tired. I'll read now till my eyes get tired. And it's doing something in my spirit, man. It's doing something in my spirit, man. Children, listen to me. Leave here with this one word in your spirit tonight. Ambush. Ambush. Pay attention. Amen. Pay attention. Pay attention. The Lord's got a call, an anointment, an office for you to fulfill. There's qualifications you've got to walk under. There's things in your life got to be set in order. Don't let the devil, if you've got an office or you're called to an office or you're called to a, guard it. Guard it. Because I'm going to tell you something, if the devil messes you up, 
you go above them, you go outside them qualifications, you won't fulfill that office. Because God's got strict, strict things in that word for you to fulfill offices. Amen. And that's why I'm telling you, we got a lot of polluted offices in the ministry. And I believe God's fixing to straighten them out. I do. I believe God's fixing to straighten them out and make them clean. He's got to. Amen. He's got to. That word's right. God don't move outside His Word. God moves according to His Word. And when things are set in order according to His Word, then God can move. Forty-two years, God's been getting me ready for what He wants to work in my life. God's been preparing me for what He wants to work in my life. Forty-two years. Forty-two years. God's been getting me ready for this. And I don't want to miss it now. Amen.